Welcome to Business Unmuted, thanks to our sponsor Virtue Motors, one of the UK's largest motor retailers, representing some of the world's best manufacturers of cars, vans and motorcycles. Check out its website at virtuemotors.com. I'm Graham Robb and I've owned Recognition PR for nearly 35 years. We've 75 clients in multiple sectors based across the UK and between them they have a turnover of approximately £6 billion and employ around 30,000 staff. So we're at the front line of the business community and perfectly placed to discuss the economic climate. In the studio today with Martin Williamson, Director and Head of Residential at Latimer Hink Solicitors in Darlington. Martin is not only an experienced legal expert, but also a property expert, dealing one of, with some of the more complex and some of the more involved conveyancing cases that the firm handles. Down the line with Matt Robinson, Head of Nations and Regions for Tech UK. Tech UK is the trade association representing UK technology industry. Uh, it works with more than 850 companies across the UK and aims to make the UK a leading digital economy. Well, welcome gents and first Matt. Hello, thank you for joining us. Tech UK, obviously very important, Matt. Um, you've seen the economy and what's been happening as the government is rolling out its growth plan. We'll leave the politicians to argue about that, but the idea of growth is fundamentally important. Where do you see the tech economy and the tech sector in that? So the tech sector has been one of the fastest growing elements of the UK economy, and it doesn't show any form of slowing down. Actually, we're seeing that businesses are keen to grow. They're looking for more talent. The supply chain is, is crucial for them of talent and making sure they can access Britain's best and brightest, but the globe's best and brightest as well. But also it's about looking at uh, investment for the future and their plans. Has that taken a bit of a hit over the last couple of months? Yes, it has. Naturally, people have looked at interest rates and they've looked at inflation and they're questioning what that's going to mean for their plans for the rest of 2022 into 2023. But actually, we've seen since the pandemic that things have changed. People now know that they rely on tech. It's through functions like this that I'm able to join you in the studio, but that we use it day in, day out for work. Um, that it's changed the way people are interacting. And that's meaning it's changing our economy. And we all have to try and keep up with that and make sure that we're at the front line of tech. Well, the economy certainly does need it. The economy shrank in August. The data that came in uh, just today shows a, a small a dip of 0.3% uh, in GDP. And you've identified areas of the country with something called the Local Digital Capital Index. And I'm very interested in this index um, because the North East and Yorkshire, where a lot of this video will be viewed, are not brilliant in the list. Um, on, when it comes to local digital capital, uh, on skills, the Northeast ranks 8 out of 12 and Yorkshire and Humber 10 out of 12. On infrastructure, the Northeast does a bit better, 7 out of 12. Yorkshire and Midlands very well at 4 out of 12. Uh, and on the R&D ranking, research and development, Northeast as well, 4th out of 12. And the Yorkshire and Humber less well, 10th out of 12. So. What, how do you compile this local digital capital index and, and what does it really say about the north of England? So when we started working on the local digital capital index, it was during the pandemic. Actually, we were surveying our members, stakeholders, local authorities, different partners, and trying to work out what were the building blocks that made up a strong tech ecosystem and then how could you measure them? How could you assess that? And that's how we developed local digital capital and, and developed the index. 
The data that's used is all publicly open, transparent data coming from Ofcom and other agencies. And we make sure that we compile that, weight that, and look at how we can compare that across the regions of the so UK. So what kind of components are there in the index? What, what kind of things are you looking at? So when you're looking at things like digital infrastructure, you're looking at super fast broadband, ultra fast gigabit, uh, 5G, and how your mobile connection is is um, is measured across the UK. When you're looking at something like digital adoption, it's businesses investing in tech. Um, when it's finance and investment, it's that uh, VC funding that's coming in, the investment that's available to SMEs as yeah. well. So we, we try and make sure we're capturing as much data as possible. Um, but when, when we look at the index, it isn't about making it a Premier League that compares one region to another. You know, table's useful for being able to show this in a graphic form. But what we know is there are brilliant pockets of practice across the UK. Um, Leeds has a really vibrant tech scene. We know that in terms of health tech, uh, and medtech, that's been a, a real national power. When we look at the northeast of England, you mentioned there about digital infrastructure. I think there's a perception that people you know, can't get connected. Actually, the rollout that's happened through government funding, through private investment, is showing that it's making inroads. The challenge is, and our challenge for government, local and national, is you need to keep up with this. You can't slow down. We know that the tech sector is enabling us to do more. It's a helping and supporting businesses and you need to keep your pedal to the metal if we're going to compete nationally and internationally. Let's talk about skills for a minute um, because the unemployment data that came out just today was really good. I mean, you know, we've got less than 4% of people unemployed in this country at the moment and I know that in the tech sector you are crying out for skilled people. Uh, so much so that uh, many of them work in different parts of the world for Northeast and Yorkshire uh, tech firms. Um, and I suppose uh, another way of getting more tech uh, workers in is to allow more freelance. And IR35 was changed in the mini budget that happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what, what other things are, are going on that will help with the recruitment of skills and the retention of work as a result? So I think the first thing to say, Graham, is there's no silver bullet here. There's not one thing that the, the government could do or a business could do to make um, that, you know, the, the talent question and a war for talent in some ways go away. Actually, it's about having lots of different remedies. Um, degree apprenticeships we've seen have become increasingly popular. People saying, actually, I want to look at how this relates to a career um, and how I can make sure that I'm going to get a job afterwards and that that's going to be something that's going to pay my bills. It's going to give me new opportunities. We've seen a lot of people who've looked at actually using credits to be able to uh, retrain staff and how they can partner with other businesses to take the most the best advantage of that they can make the most of it possible. So there's a collaboration piece that's gone on. And additionally, it's about how we work with educational establishments, not just at universities and colleges, but secondary schools as well, and really making sure that we've got people work ready earlier, but we're giving them the skills for work as well. And that includes you know tech skills, but across other sectors as well, such as manufacturing. I was talking, my own daughter, by the way, she's, I'm very proud of her. She is the product director for, for a US bank and she's works in America and she's in her thirties and she can code very fast. I was watching, she's visiting the UK at the moment and I was watching her working. She's working from home in my house in the Northeast of England on American time. 
so she didn't actually use any holiday to come home as a result, which was very interesting. But she's tapping the keys out really fast. And uh, she had to learn coding after leaving school. I was talking to a friend of mine who has a 13-year-old son, and he's in coding club at school. So the actual uh, skill base of a youngster aged 14 to 16 to 18 compared to my daughter in her early 30s, compared to me in my 50s, there is a country mile between them. And uh, I, I suppose, really, the, the way in which uh, the tech industry embraces that and makes it attractive de determines where these people will work. Absolutely. It's about making sure that people see a career in tech as something that's, that's viable. It's a natural option them actually as opposed to something where um so i think there's a perception for some they see it as boring working on computers every day actually we need a real diverse range of talent people who understand customers who understand product design um what we know is actually many people who've worked in the gaming sector then go over to work for professional services companies in different industries because they want those transferable skills so the idea that you sign up for a company and you work for them for life well that just doesn't exist anymore people mm. will move but we also need to get to a stage where we understand people are going to need to retrain as well and that's something that's quite natural to do in the workplace that you're not going to finish your training at 18 or 21 um actually it's going to be lifelong learning you've also commented i'm going to bring martin in in a minute but you've also commented on something called the future telecoms and infrastructure review this is something the government has been looking at when it comes to rolling out full fiber broadband and 5g uh, phone signals. Um, now, on the full fibre, 33 billion has been budgeted from different providers, private sector, not just government, and it's uh, get, taking coverage from 6 to 41%. What kind of advantages are, is full fibre presenting to businesses and, and, how, and how fast do you want it to roll out? So I, I'm always going to say that I want them to go even faster uh, and I want even more money to go into this. But it's because I know what it can enable businesses to do. It allows them to work more quickly. It allows them to actually look at new products and new investment, new lines of work that they can embrace as well. It means that a bit like your daughter, Graham, people can be working internationally. And now so much of tech is international that we need to compete. Um, we can't have broadband speeds that lag behind and connectivity speeds that lag behind when we're looking at competing with india south korea usa so actually continuing to invest in this is about having the, the 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 plumbing correct to open those other doors for business for skills for further investment and for r d which is so important not just for universities but for our businesses as well i'm very interested to hear you say it's something in my own business i've been looking at because we're going all to the cloud as you're on video we've got a lot of video that we we transfer and the necessity for very high upload, not just download speeds, dedicated resilience is quite significant. And we're paying hundreds of pounds a month, not thousands. So what would you expect an SME in the north of England now to be able to achieve as a reasonable baseline in terms of speed from their fibre connection? What would you think is a rational expectation? So I think the problem is actually there's too much variety at the moment it, there's too much uh, diversity and people can't rely on it you talked there graham about resilience actually if you can't rely on it you're not going to invest in it you're not going to pay for it so it's about making sure there's that resilience in the system and there's minimum expectation levels that, we, uh, that are secured as well 
But additionally, for SMEs, it's about further digital adoption as well. So we talk about speeds. That's opening the door to making sure people are using, if you're, a, if you're an SME that's not necessarily in the tech sector, but using tech to enable your business, it's about uh, new cybersecurity software. It's about CRM systems, accounting software that needs to be opened up. So actually, the sandwich shop in Middlesbrough is as reliant on tech as BT is. Very good point. What it enables your business to do. Yeah, it's a very good point. And on speeds, I know you didn't answer the question because, of course, it's too big a question because it depends on what you're doing. But my own Absolutely. view, I'm wanting a, nearer a thousand up and down megabyte. That's what I'm wanting. I don't know if I'll be able to achieve it with budget. But if I can, then I can do this. This program is being broadcast live using it. We'll be able to send larger video files uh, and we'll be able to have more home working and more people working at the same time uh, uh, on different projects. So is that a reasonable aspiration? What, what kind of numbers are you seeing from different firms? I think that's what we should be looking to get to. I think, as you say, it will depend on the business. It will depend on the organization and what they want to do. Um, there's got to be further conversations about how that rollout happens and where it happens mm. as well. I think quite often what we've seen is that that investment has been looked at nationwide. Um, really, that's not always necessary. Actually, investment zones perhaps present a new opportunity yeah. Yeah. to do this, about how you target funding and those speeds, upload and download speeds, most importantly as well. The, the, that, the pipe work, that, that structure, the, the scaffolding is there, ready for a business straight away to come in you're not having to see it retrofitted. Actually, it's ready on day one. Okay, let's bring Martin in. Martin, do you know any, any have you got a clue on how much your business has in terms of upload and download? Not speed? a clue. Not I, a clue. I'm, I'm a technophobe though, self-confessed. But you're yeah. not, you, you might, you need it as much as you need the road yeah. to drive I mean, in on can, it. You wouldn't I, know what, how to dig a road up. No, no, what, what I can say is that we've invested massively in the last year in, in completely new software. Uh, we've moved stuff into the cloud the same way that you have. Um, and, um, you know, uh, that was a prerequisite for uh, the firm moving forward. Like mm. you were saying before, growth. I don't see how anybody can, can grow their business without investment in tech. Um, and uh, so, you know, we've committed an awful lot to that. And to have that investment worthwhile, and we'll talk about you as a, a conveyancing firm, we'll talk about property properly in a minute, but mm. uh, if you are transacting a property, and you've got all this super tech to make it happen quickly, mm. just like the banks 10 years ago, uh, you, you were going at the speed of the slowest. If I wanted to pay a sum of money from one bank to another and one bank didn't accept it within two hours but in three days, then my transaction was yeah, going sure. at the speed of the slowest. Yeah. And I suppose if you're doing local authority conveyancing, your conveyancing is going at the speed of the slowest. Well, yes. I mean, sadly, this takes us to the question of chains, doesn't it? No matter what, if you're involved in a chain and most transactions are somehow affected by another transaction somewhere, even if it's not a, a true chain. Um, you're going to go at the speed of the slowest link. Um, I mean, just going back to technology, um, it is remarkable the impact that technology has had on the process. Um, sadly, in some cases, um, you know, um, a, a, a little hitch is being created by a new means of working until people bed in. Uh, and it doesn't help when some firms, are, you know, completely up to date. They yeah. can do things in a, in a very slick uh, way, whereas you, you, you've got somewhere in the chain again, you've got somebody who's still doing old-fashioned steam conveyancing and sending things by checks and, uh, and what have you. Um, so yeah, you're right, you, you're always going to be held up by the speed of the slowest link. Okay, so let's drill, drill down into the conveyancing and then talk mm. about the housing market. But let me throw this right out at you. 
Uh, I have moved house in my life, I'm in my late 50s now, maybe seven times, and I've bought various properties in my life. Yet now, if I start on a property transaction, I am told at the beginning by my advisor, somebody like mm. you, mm. That to expect it to take longer yep. than it did 15 years Absolutely. ago. Absolutely. What is causing that? <laughs> well, it's a bloody good question, sorry, yes. <laughs> to use colourful language. It's a good question. Um, and I suppose, you know, the reasons are manifold. But um, a, a lot of it is to do with... Uh, the impact of the pandemic. I mean, I know this is a tired old hackneyed excuse for everybody, uh, but it did have a big impact. Um, and uh, there was a reduction in the speed and efficiency of the way in which transactions were uh, carried forward. And for whatever reason, that doesn't seem to have picked itself back up. Um, Homeworking, I'm afraid, in my view, homeworking has slowed down some elements of the process, particularly when you have firms involved in the process that are not fully technologically empowered to be able to continue to work remotely from yeah. the office. Um, and uh, a lot of large firms, and a lot of conveyancing is done, you know, um, uh, budget, large factory style um, companies. Um, they have staffing problems. Um, they also have, sad, sad to say, um, uh, you know, you do tend to find it, it's the case that a lot of people who perhaps don't have the qualifications that they should do are handling transactions that they shouldn't do. And when they come across something a little bit difficult or unusual, everything grinds grind yeah. to a halt. Yeah. And what about the local authorities? Because searches well, on conveyancing sure. hasn't through yeah, the third parties. Yeah, I mean, parties. well, local authority searches in some parts of the country, it's just simply not a problem. You'll send your application off. Darling, they're very good. Send, send your application off. You might get it back in a few days, yep. a week or two. Um, Durham County, different kettle of fish. You know, um, Durham County were up to five, six, seven, eight weeks. Um, that seems to have improved dramatically all of a sudden. Um, uh, but you, you get strange anomalies. For instance, uh, you know, Hackney. In I, I don't want to call, call <laughs> don't do, do anybody down here. Uh, in in uh, in in though I think it was Hackney. I maybe may may have got the council wrong. They had um, a, a, a problem with a fire. It was a fire or a flood uh, in the local land charges department, and all of their record, half of their records, were unavailable oh my goodness. And, and you suddenly found that this company with this council were telling people please you, you you can't expect to get a full search result from us for 10 weeks All right. and of and, course and that shows the digitization yes finished, exactly it? Matt yeah, have yeah, you got exactly. any comment on this before yeah. I talk about the housing market but it, I think the point I'm trying to make is it's always the unexpected things yes. that cause the delays you yeah. know it, 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 it's usually something unexpected that, that sticks a spanner in the world. So Matt, what, my, my general tongue-in-cheek question is, all of this money's gone into digitization, uh, and you have, to do, every, the roof. You have to do everything online, <laughs> and uh, the, yet you can't transfer a property any faster. In fact, it takes longer than it did 10 years ago. And that could yeah, be applied it, to lots of things. It, it absolutely could. And, um, and we see challenges where people say about how they're reporting a bin that's been missed to their local council using an online service and nobody ever gets back to them, nobody ever answers, how do they know that that's acknowledged? Actually, the technology quite often is there. I think Martin's point's a good one. Yeah, um, it's not the tech's opinion, fault, I don't think, per se. It, yeah, it's not necessarily tech's fault. It's how you're enabling that, how you're using that, how you're training people to use it, importantly, and then how the wider population are interacting with that as well. Tech is 
we, we often say this a bit like our local digital capital index, you know, it, it, it's about the, the data that you put in determines the data that comes out the other side. If, you, if, you, if you're not training people, you're not investing it at the beginning, then don't be surprised when you get rubbish results that come out the other way. All right. Let's just move on to the market itself for housing because we're very interested in it. We are a property economy. There's no question about Absolutely. it. When things go wrong, property gets hurt first. The house price index on Halifax will flash it on screen now. Um, and it shows that this year uh, house prices are up nearly 10%. But actually in the last month they went down a fraction. But in the last quarter they went up uh, nearly 1.5%. So we've got stable house prices. Um, you've seen it. You're in the market. Are you getting people gazundering now? Are people uh, looking at the, the, the deals and thinking I could get this cheaper? Well the biggest impact that I've noticed so far is on the buy to let sector. That's, um, that's, it's had a huge impact already. You know, Give um, us an ex ex example. Well, um, you know, if you're in the buy-to-let market, you've got no emotional involvement in the property you're buying. It's purely a business decision. Uh, and if you look at the figures and your ret return is going to be cut down to something that just easily for the balance to be tipped, just yep. doesn't make any sense anymore, yeah. and you'll just step back from it. Um, and that, that has happened in three or four transactions that have been handled by my team. Somebody who is in early stages of a buy-to-let purchase uh, has just decided this just, just doesn't make sense anymore, I'm, I'm, I'm not going ahead. Um, and um, it's not necessarily because the mortgage offer has been pulled, it's just it doesn't make economic sense to them when the rates are going in the direction they're going. Now I know you've got hundreds of conveyancing transactions that are on at the moment. Yeah. Um, has the instability that we've, we heard about last week on the uh, economy discussion with Julian Jessup, has the instability on interest rates started to affect those transactions? Um, as I say, it certainly has noticeably when it comes to the buy-to-let sector. Um, but in the general um, uh, general property market where people, you know, they, they're moving for a good reason, um, there's a lot of nervousness. I think every conversation I had with people last week was, uh, is, is my buyer worried about their mortgage offer? Or, yeah. you know, and uh, the answer is, I can't, I can't, I'm going to crystal ball. I can't tell you whether they are or they aren't. Um, but there's a lot of nervousness. But actually, there's very little sign of that having any direct um, impact. People pulling the plug, people deciding, I haven't had a single buyer tell me, you know, I've just decided that uh, I'm, I'm not going to go ahead with this. I'm so worried about how things are. And what about instructions? Because you, you, you would be able to get a feel for whether yeah. you're getting more instructions September 22 to September mm -hmm. 21 or mm -hmm. to September 18. How are mm -hmm. instructions well, going Well, we're, we're heading, the, heading into the part of the year where things would just come down a little bit anyway. But I think, yes, there are. There are fewer instructions coming in, but not something that's making me think, hey, you know, this, 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 is, uh, this is a strange state of affairs. Um, just going back to, uh, to what you said about gazundering, I think um, what, what is noticeable is that um, if, you know, a, a seller is approached by a buyer who's saying, look, I've got a, I've got a poor survey here. There's you know, 10,000 quids worth of work here. I want to reduce my, my offer by five grand. Um, you're tending to find that seller's a little bit more amenable to, um, to saying yes. Right. Uh, you know, whereas they might have have pushed back before. So the market, uh, a bit of that going the market on. is a bit more fluid. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, look, well, thank you very much, both of you, for joining us. And uh, I hope your market does continue. I think we all have an I'm incentive sure. to make yeah. sure it doesn't crash. We yeah. want it to see, I don't be sustainable like rather yeah. than a boom. Yeah. And Matt, great to hear about Tech UK. Keep up the good work. We definitely need, need you around to make sure we have the infrastructure for the future. Thank you. And thank you for joining us on Business Unmuted. 
There'll be more same time next week.